Hey everyone, it's Ben here, and today I'm going to be interviewing my Wharton classmate, Pavan Patel. And he went to undergrad at Penn, and then worked at Bain Capital, and then CI Capital Partners in private equity. And so in today's episode, we're going to be talking about his experience in private equity, how to break into the industry, and then also some thoughts about MBA life and what it's been like so far. So hope you all enjoy. And also, if you want to listen to this more on the go, you can download this as a podcast under Rare Liquid Careers on Spotify, Apple Music, or wherever you get your podcasts. And with that said, let's jump into the interview. But why don't we just jump straight into it? Uh, so Pavan, can you kind of give us an overview of your background? Yeah, sure. So I uh, grew up in Rochester, New York. Uh, my parents actually were born in India, moved to the US, started a bunch of their small companies. Um, and I went to Penn for undergrad. I spent a couple of years at Bain Capital working as a private credit analyst and then spent a few years at CI working in private equity. And then in this last interim year before I started business school, I worked at a um, healthcare startup um, called Hazel Health. Okay. And can you tell us a little bit more about your private uh, private credit role? Sure. So um, Bain Capital, uh, I worked as a private credit analyst, as I mentioned. When uh, So private credit, for I guess, for folks who are uh, unfamiliar with it, is when a private equity company buys another company, they usually get debt on the business. And that debt is funded by uh, folks who work in private credit. And so it's similar to private equity, just different risk profile of what you um, end up investing in. And then also it allows you to typically do more deals um, uh, throughout the year. Got it. And then what was your experience in CI Cap- Capital Partners? Is it CI Capital Partners? CI Capital, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, so that was, CI Capital is a buy and build shop. So what that means is, you buy uh, typically a platform company. We focus on business services, um, and then you buy a lot of other add-ons across. And so you can hopefully make um, uh, some synergies by buying a larger company along with tacking on smaller companies on top of it. So CI Capital is a little bit more operationally focused. Um, we worked with smaller, um, we bought smaller sized companies, and so got to work with a lot of founders, which was super exciting and interesting. Got it. And can you tell us a bit about how your experience at Bain Capital kind of bridged uh, your ability to get into private equity? Yeah, sure. So a, a lot of the work at Bain Capital working on the private credit side taught me how to think about businesses and fundamental, fundamentally how to think about investing. And so I had the opportunity to work with some really awesome mentors, some really awesome companies, and then also build up, I would say, the technical skill set of, of understanding how to model, write memos, uh, and then also more of kind of just business judgment. Uh, and I think both of those things, um, both technically of, of how to get you know, models and memos written and done, uh, combined with thinking about business judgment, ha- helped me, um, I would say, get into CI Capital and, and then also um, business school and other jobs. Yeah, you mentioned something in there about meeting a lot of really great role models and people, bosses that you could kind of learn a lot from. Can you tell us about one or two that come to mind that you really feel like you learned a lot from? Yeah, sure. So I would say uh, when I was first starting off, I actually did an internship while I was in school at um, at Bain Capital, and one of the the VPs there was super helpful for me. I think she took a lot of time uh, to explain how how the investing process works, and I think that's something that I re- really respected a lot because I knew she was very busy, um, and she took time out to, to to basically sit with me and and tell and show me the, the steps. I'd also say there's a lot of folks who were even just a year or two senior um, 
both at Bain Capital and at CI Capital, who helped me show me the, the kind of nuts and bolts of how to do some of the technical analysis. Um, and so I say, say, say both of those, you know, groups of people, the, the folks who are just right above me, and then uh, folks who are many years out who kind of took just even, you know, an hour during the week to, to sit down and kind of walk me through how some of this stuff works. Got it. So they spent their time to really teach you and show you the ropes. Um, but was there anything in particular about the people who you worked with or your bosses or colleagues who you really respected? Like what kind of personality traits did they have or what yeah. made them really special kind of bosses? So I would say, I would say that um, the, the bosses that I really learned a lot from are the folks who would explain why we needed to do something. And so I think a lot of times in jobs or work, there's, there's a, maybe a disconnect of information and so the boss can see something as really important, but it's not evident to maybe the analysts or the associates. And I think that the time that they spent saying, hey, the reason why we need to do this analysis is because this is how it fits in the, the larger puzzle or the larger piece. And having that knowledge for me as an associate or an analyst then just made me a much better investor. And so I think that that just step of explaining why something is important uh, and why they're requesting for some analysis both makes you more invested in the work and then also made me, uh, I think, a sharper um, investor and, and get a little bit more business judgment overall. Got it. And I actually remember when I was in banking, a lot of my most senior bankers were like a lot of, they were kind of like good salesmen at the end of the day. When you get to the senior levels in private equity, you're uh, I don't know if you call them partners. Yeah. Um, what were their personalities like? Were they more extroverted or introverted? Or were they like also kind of salesy? Or were they really focused on being good investors? Because it's kind of a different ballgame than banking. I think it's, it's you still, uh, so sales is, is important. Um, but it, you're kind of, the person that you're selling to is a little bit different then, right? You're actually selling to a founder. So a lot of times you needed to sit across the table. And you, you maybe, if you're visiting, you know, I don't know, um, uh, a smaller size business, you maybe wouldn't dress up fully in a suit or a tie, mm -hmm. right? And so I think it's, you want to make sure that you're approachable and that you can actually relate to someone because these people spend their lives building up these businesses from the ground up and you're coming in, you want to purchase it and you also want to help them grow and move to the next phase. And so it's very important for you to relate to someone on a personal level. Um, and I think that's part of the investing process. So you can have certainly the skills of the hard skills that are very important of how to think about, like I said, modeling or writing memos or thinking about investment thesis and risk. But at the end of the day, um, the private equity business is, uh, you know, you're relating to a very people-oriented business. And so you want to make sure that you can connect with people from kind of all different walks and backgrounds. Got it. And on the note of skills that you built, so besides the technical part, mm -hmm. uh, which I think is a given when you go into private equity, mm -hmm. Uh, what are some of the more personal or other professional skills that you feel like you gained from your career so far? So I'd say personally, um, managing a lot of different work streams. Um, so one of my bosses had kind of explained the private equity industry as, as a way of having a bunch of puzzle pieces and putting them together to make a, a puzzle. That's kind of how deal making works. And being able to look at the, the, the bigger picture and then also understanding um, managing different work streams um, that that are very disparate was a skill that that I that I think I developed outside of I guess maybe just some of the hard skills. Mm. And how is that? Can you give us an example of how you've applied that kind of now in your life? Yeah, sure. So um, we're 
Ben and I are both in business school now. Um, there's a lot of competing priorities, both academically, socially, career-oriented. And I think having the opportunity to to work through some, I guess, deals where I had, uh, where I was all, all work-related, but different parts, has allowed me here in business school and I think elsewhere to say, okay, if there's five or six things that I have that, that it's going on, this is what I want to pull together and this is what I want to focus on at this time and then um, be able to kind of context switch and switch between different areas. Mm. And switching gears a little bit, but still on the same topic of private equity, I think a lot of peri- people are curious to know what a day in the life of like a private equity associate looks like. So I was wondering if you could kind of give us like almost like a, an hourly-ish or just in periods and phases of what you kind of work on throughout the day. Yeah, sure. So, um, you know, I think at a high level, um, there's kind of three big buckets of what the work requires. One is thinking kind of business or deal judgment, right? So thinking about this is a good business or this is a bad business and why. Uh, number two is kind of the execution. So this is when you decide that you are going to pursue purchasing a business. Then there's all that, that's kind of the managing different work streams where you, you put all the pieces together. And I would say the third is portfolio work. So once you buy a company, um, you want to make sure that you as an investor are really helping uh, the founder and the team grow and kind of handling kind of the, the nuts and bolts of that. I would say from kind of more hourly basis, um, typically I would get, you know, start my day maybe around nine-ish in the morning, uh, eight or nine, and review emails. Um, again, it, it, the days are actually very different depending on if you're on a live deal that's that's going to close or if you're not. And so I think uh, it, it would be a combination of kind of any of those three three pieces um, that would change. Got it. And this is kind of a, more of a maybe hot take-ish type question, <laughs> but, um, you know, a lot of times people view the finance industry overall as something where it doesn't necessarily like add value to society. Mm-hmm. And so what is your kind of take on that? How does private equity... Uh, how did you feel about working in like this kind of industry, I guess? And, you know, actually being in banking formally myself, I actually do understand how investment banking firms do provide value to their clients. Um, I'm curious to know about the private equity side, though. Yeah, so I think I think that um, uh, I think the private equity firms actually do add uh, a meaningful amount of value. And if they're especially if they're done done well, if we think about what founders are really good at and business owners, they're really good at building businesses, right? Um, they may not have the expertise on, let's say, acquiring other businesses or uh, expanding into a new market or supercharging their growth. Private equity firms offer, one, um, certainly capital or, or a lot of money to support this growth. And then two, if if a firm has had the opportunity, for example, to you know take businesses from, I don't know, 10 million to 100 million or uh, whatever the numbers is, build, you know, let's say 20, 30, 40 and businesses from that, from a small stage to a large stage, they had this idea of how that playbook could work out. Um, and so I, I think there's, there's value one in just offering expertise in terms of um, financial expertise um, outside, you know, not just the money, but also like buying other businesses or providing um, and then strategic expertise, being able to go into new markets or new products. And then I would say third is, is certainly just an influx of capital that shows them, hey, like these are some things we've seen in the past that has helped other businesses of your caliber, uh, we really think we can take you along the journey. And I think another thing to really remember is that um, 
a lot of private equity firms will give um, either options or uh, equity to their management team. And so, you you know, everyone kind of is able to share in that, that growth, I think. Yeah. And while there is a lot of incentives that you give to everyone who kind of joins like a new investment deal, so like the management incentives and whatnot, there are also times where you have to let go of key management when it seems like they're not the right fit. Um, so I'm wondering if you saw anything that was like challenging during your time um, or anything that kind of tested uh, your, I guess, just view on whether or not this was like the right thing. Was there anything like that or was there just like, just not really, challenges? not really for me, I think. Um, not really for me. I think that there's been kind of general business challenges and there's, there's, you know, you, there's times where you, you want to take the business in a different direction, but typically we've been very favorable that management has been on board for these things. Um, and, and they're, they're actually the ones leading a lot of the charge, right? It's, it's at the end of the day, it's, it's, they're the ones who are running the company and we are kind of, um, a supporter to that growth. And so, um, yeah, I, I personally haven't had much experience with that. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. Cause at the end of the day, if you accept the private equity investment, there's like a board of directors and investment yep. in, or management team that has to like accept yep. that investment. Um, okay. And then I'm curious to know a lot of times there are a lot of people who want to break into finance, banking, private equity, mm-hmm. private equity in particular is kind of seen as like a, a holy grail in a sense in the finance world. And so I was wondering, there's like a glamour to the industry, but then there's, a, of course, with every job, there's, times when you have to like roll up your sleeves and do things that other people don't necessarily want to do, uh, especially when you're just like starting off in your career. So I was wondering if you could kind of give us any insights you have about the industry that people don't know about, um, about the kind of unglamorous parts of the job. Yeah, I'd say one thing is, um, well, one thing is that you will have to do a lot of work and sometimes you may, deals may fall through, which is kind of the nature of the um the business, right? There's a lot of competition. There's a lot of the founder may not take your money, or they may want to go with someone else, or they may, you know, hold the business. And you do get invested with because uh, you, you spend a decent amount of time thinking about the business. You, you spend time with the founders and the management team, and so there are times where um, you know you, you do a lot of this work, and it, and it doesn't pan out. Uh, the, the deal doesn't close, and that's I think something that's just important to know. Mm-hmm. Um, was there anything in terms of like the, the more detailed work that you're doing, anything like, I don't know, work streams that you had to do that you didn't really enjoy or was everything kind of like, okay. I think it was honestly, so I think one, I like get very excited about thinking about investing and thinking about businesses. And so like I mentioned, I think that the beginning was if you're able to see the bigger picture of why you're doing the work, which I think a lot of my really great bosses were able to share with me. Mm then you you know there you certainly have to work hard but a lot of that work you can see is is moving towards in a direction that is going to be really useful and hopefully uh for the company and for both the private equity firm and then also the company mm. and so i think that just understanding that hey this piece of analysis or this memo that i'm writing or doing is contributing to this bigger picture um has been uh you know really helps a lot i think yeah. in, in kind of getting rid of uh, maybe some un- unwanted work. Yeah. If you can see the purpose of why you're doing things, it definitely helps. I remember when yeah. I was in banking, working on some like marketing books and having my MDs telling me to work on things that had, we were always just like, why, why are we doing this? And th- those would be the worst actually. Yeah. Um, 
And I was also curious to know about the flip side. So um, not the unglamorous parts, but maybe the parts that you really enjoyed. Yeah. Um, any key accomplishments or what you really just enjoyed about the job? Yeah, so I, I think my favorite part was sitting across the table, um, you, know, you know, in my 20s with some amazing entrepreneurs who have built businesses. And I think that's, that's incredibly exciting, right? You get to hear their story. You get to think, and then, and then if you end up purchasing the company, which um, we, you know, we've done, and I was, on, uh, was able to sit in on, on some of the board meetings and then also speak with the CEO or the CFO one-on-one on certain projects uh, or initiatives that they wanted to lead, I think that's pretty amazing to, to be able to learn from these, these really sharp uh, operators and then also the investors, right? So I think being able to see everything from kind of oil and gas to women's beauty products kind of all over um, different spaces and seeing patterns across I would say like that that was those are the, those are the parts that are very exciting because you got to think about and act on very different types of businesses. Yeah, can you tell us more about those one-on-ones with CEO CFOs? I can't imagine like myself when I just got out of college so being those kind of conversations. Like how how is that? Yeah, so I think I think that's that's what uh, you really learn from some of the senior folks. Uh, a lot of the conversation at least when you're first starting off is really kind of uh, dominated by some of these senior folks. Um, and then as you end up getting closer and closer to purchasing and then you end up purchasing the business, the, a lot of the one-on-ones are like, Hey, you know, where, where can I be helpful? There's these, these are three or four things that I saw in maybe this other type of deal that we looked at. Um, it could, you know, it could be useful here, but I want to, I want to hear from you and cause you know, the business better than anyone else, um, of, of where I can be helpful. And so I, a lot of times they would welcome it. I think, um, especially with some of the, uh, analysis, that let's say they want to do on their customers or um, their sales or their costs or, or whatever it is. Um, again, you know you want to you want to be in a position where you're serving them, right? Um, and so if you if you can if you can find a way to suggest certain things that are going to be helpful and then uh, and then deliver for them, I think that you, you can kind of build some really great relationships. Yeah, and was it nerve wracking at first at all? Or yeah, definitely. I mean, yeah, definitely, definitely very nervous, um, uh, but. I think that you, over time, you can build a little bit of rapport with with each individual person. Um, but yeah, definitely at the beginning, you, it, it is nervous. Uh, it is nerve wracking. Got it. And switching gears about now going into how to break into private equity. Mm-hmm. Um, back when you were at Bank Capital, you were kind of making the switch to PE. Mm-hmm. What kind of resources did you use, and what did you find most helpful as you were going through that whole recruiting process? Yeah, I would say. Um, First, really understanding what private equity is, right? And like what the job entails um, is really important. And the way you could do that is um, certainly, you know, there's a lot of courses that are online, um, like Ben's and, and, and uh, but also speaking to folks, if you have people that you know, um, who have done the work, right? Getting, getting a coffee with them and saying, hey, look, these are the skill sets that I've had previously. I'm hoping to really understand what, what, what folks do and then, and then kind of, Thinking about it like a almost like a gap, right? Like where where do I need to improve to get there? And so so one is like really understanding the work. Number two is I did do um, a lot of my skills were actually very transferable, I would say. And so uh, thinking through how do you frame your story and and how do you frame um, your skills that would match you know each individual firm. And then third uh, is uh, you got to really. Like you gotta get really excited about it, right? Because it's it, 
it there's uh there's a decent amount of work involved and you want to be you you for yourself want to be in a position where you're enjoying the work and then you also want uh people want to work with people who get excited about uh the work that they do now, since you're watching this video, I'm guessing you're interested in private equity. And if so, I highly recommend you check out this newly announced PE certificate program being offered by Wall Street Prep and Wharton, which is where I'm currently getting my MBA. This program is sponsored by top firms like Carlisle and KKR, and it's one of the first of its kind in which a leading business institution, Wharton, is partnering with the top financial modeling trainer, Wall Street Prep, to create a theory meets practice program. Over eight weeks and at a recommended eight hours per week, you can learn at your own pace through this online course that's taught by Wharton professors, Wall Street Prep's PE program director, and real estate PE investors, including Martin Brand, the head of North America PE at Blackstone, and David Rubenstein, the founder of Carlisle, who will cover topics like the PE deal process, valuation, how to think like a private equity professional, and more. This newly announced program will run twice a year with the first one going from May 1st to June 25th. And if you're interested, be sure to use my code RareLiquid because you'll get a few hundred dollars off. And I'll leave a link to all of this down in my description below. I'm, I'm curious then when you generally think about people who you think are good fits for private equity or investing versus yeah. not. Um, of course, I think the industry will attract a wide range of personalities and characters. Yeah. But are there any traits that you see or you think that would make for uh make the industry good for certain people and not good for some people yeah so i would uh so i i don't i, don't, I wouldn't say that it's um good for some people or, or, or not good for others I, I would more say that because every firm is very different even within the stages of investing you can invest in smaller size companies or large size companies that require totally different skill sets um and then even as you kind of led to alluded to at the beginning is as you get more senior um your role also changes. And so I wouldn't say that it's hard and fast that, hey, um, some folks are good or, 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 or good fits or bad fits for this. But what I would say is that you do want to get really excited about in the work that you're doing. Um, and you want to get excited about um, working with people of different backgrounds. As I mentioned, you're put in front of a lot of founders or management teams. It's really important for you to connect with those folks, as well as, for example, the lawyers or the accountants or the consultants that you're also working with, each of whom have a very different skill set. Uh, and so you, I think in a bit, one is like just I'd be really excited about the work. And then two is an ability, I would say, to connect with people who have um, differing backgrounds. And then maybe three is, um, uh, you know, so, some of the technical skills that I think we had mentioned uh, ahead of time, getting sharp on those and then uh, having the qualities, I would say, of of um, just delivering, you know, good work over time. Okay. And were there any per specific resources that you use for those technical? Yeah. Um, so practice? I, I, I had um, some friends who uh, would help kind of case me or um, mock interview me. Um, this was a number of years ago now, but I think that you know there are certainly large question banks that are available to to folks. Um, I can't remember the specific resource off the top of my head, okay. but a lot of it, a lot of it really was uh, speaking to to colleagues of mine that I knew who were um, in the industry, and then having them kind of work workshop with me my story, uh, making sure that I understand really uh, the companies really well, and um, and then also building kind of the, some of the technical skills. Got it. And I think I remember hearing from a lot of my friends who recruited for private equity that there are a lot of like cases and like yep. projects that they kind of give you. Can you walk us through a little bit about the interview process from like the first rounds to the super days? 
Yeah, sure. So first rounds, I think, are typically a phone screen or uh, a conversation. Um, again, every firm does it differently, but there's going to be some set of behaviorals of, hey, you know, tell me about yourself or why are you interested in private equity? Why are you interested in this firm specifically? They may ask you about your view on the market. They may ask you about um, uh, if there's something in their portfolio that they that you particularly like. Uh, typically, a lot of these firms will have their portfolio publicly listed on on their website. So, getting sharp on what 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 each of their companies does, uh, and maybe what you would like about the company, or what what you, you can view as a risk. Um, that's kind of the first second parts of it. There's sometimes uh, is a modeling test where they'll give you um, uh, a uh, kind of some financials, and they'll say, "Hey, can you build a model from?" Uh, from scratch or maybe from a template. Um, and so just to, just to see that, hey, like, do you have the, some of the technical modeling skills to do this and do you understand? And then, and then, and then lastly, uh, the, the, there's sometimes a presentation where you say, okay, you can present this model or present this business. Uh, why do you think it's a good business? Why do you think it's a bad business? What, what would you, what kind of questions would you have? Um, and so, I'd, you know, kind of break it up into those parts. One is just behavioral, getting your story straight. And then, you know, why are you interested? Number two is maybe some of the, the Excel modeling, and then three is kind of presentation skills. Um, Got it. Yeah. You mentioned as you were talking about preparing for everything, like following the markets and industry trends a little bit. Is there anything that you follow, whether it's like newsletters or anything that's been really helpful? Yeah, I mean, I uh, through Wharton, we have subscriptions through kind of the Wall Street Journal, um, Bloomberg. I, I, you know, there's a number of podcasts uh, that are available. Um, uh, you know, Wall Street has, uh, Wall Street Journal also has kind of shorter form like five things you need to know about today um i think pro rata also has kind of a uh, a list of of companies um that are being sold or bought and so you know anything on kind of bloomberg or wall street journal i think that they depending on what industry you're interested in they have each you know you can sign up for newsletters that get sent to your email either every day or every week and so typically i'll i'll, I'll use that as a strong uh, starting point got it okay and then now kind of more focus on your uh, MBA. Like yeah. what, what made you want to get an MBA? Yeah. So, I mean, the truth is it was definitely a tough decision um, uh, to, to get an MBA. I think um, at the end of the day, I wanted the opportunity to meet with a very diverse set of people um, and then also take this time where I can completely, I would say, uh, be the master of my own schedule and really dive into things that I'm interested in. And so here, um, you know, trying to do a lot of stretch experiences, this is certainly one for me. <laughs> um, and getting to meet people from all over the world and, and then also uh, get get sharper on maybe aspects of, of some of the business stuff that I, that I, didn't, that I didn't do in uh, uh, while I was working. All right. And then throughout this past uh, year or so, after now that our first year is pretty much done, mm -hmm. Have there been any meaningful lessons or experiences that you've had from this past year that come to mind? Yeah, I would say um, from a business school perspective and also just broadly is it's really important to prioritize your time and it's good to say no to things that, you, um, that you're really not interested in doing. And so I think that once I became more comfortable saying no, which is probably a common experience for a lot of uh, MBAs and other folks, uh, it really opens up time for things that you, you really want to do. 
Uh, and I'd say the other thing is that's important is creating unstructured time, right? So just putting blocked in your calendar where you don't have anything set up so you can do spontaneous things with friends or with others um, is something I've, I've kind of really enjoyed. So I'd say one is prioritizing your time by, by saying no to things because uh, that opens up blocks. And then number two is um, creating just blocks of, of time that is just completely unstructured. And so it allows for some spontaneous interactions and for, for folks to do, you know, for you to do just different things, either catch up with a friend or attend to talk, um, you know, whatever you really like. Mm. And what about for those who are interested in applying for MBAs? Do you have any kind of top tips, things that worked well for you? Yeah, I think you have to think a lot about why uh, I would say you want to go. And so, as I mentioned, for me, I was interested in meeting, I guess, a group of diverse folks and people uh, and then also, um, you know, building up on some, for example, marketing and some, some of the other skills that I, I haven't learned as technically as much uh, or want to get better at. And so thinking about your life and saying, okay, do I really want to, like, why do I really want to do this? Uh, talking to some MBAs um, so they can tell you exactly what the process looks like and, and also what it really is uh, when you're actually in graduate school. Um, and I would say... Uh, if you can get that, if you can get a clear, solid answer of, of this is why I want to go to school and and you also understand what a school offers, then I think some of the essays and stuff become much easier. And so take, you know, a couple months or a few months um, thinking about why you'd want to go. One of the things I actually did was just do a little, you know, pros and cons list of of both doing the MBA and then or, or not. And what else could I be doing with two years? Because two years is a lot of time. And so you want to make sure, and and it, it costs a lot of money. And so you want to make sure that you're you're making the right decision for yourself. Mm. And there are a lot of uh, people, I guess, in our audience who are a little bit younger than you and me. <laughs> Maybe some who are older too. But uh, I was wondering if you had any advice you could give them, or like basically to your former self back in college, um, anything personal or career related. Yeah, I would say on the on the personal front. Um, uh, to almost just relax a little bit more, right? Things kind of work themselves out. Um, and I, w I would say that um, take, basically take time to, to pursue things that you're just interested in. And I know that sounds very broad, but um, but like if there's a class or if there's something that you, you want to, like you, you can look on YouTube or you can look online to, to basically learn about anything that you want to learn about. And so um, just dive into those things. The second point is that it's, it's totally okay if your interests change. I think that's perfectly fine. Um, and I would say that that's important to recognize because the world is changing so quickly. Uh, I think a lot of times people, or, or at least myself, want to have kind of a clear path of saying, I'm going to do X, Y, and Z, and th this is how I'm going to look in the next five to 10 years. And I think it's helpful to have a generalized plan of where you want to go, but like allow yourself and allow um, allow yourself to and your interest to change over time because um, the job or the career or the thing that you want to do literally may not even be invented uh, at this time. And so there's, there's no way that you could know uh, or could predict that you actually end up doing those jobs. And so if you focus on the things that you enjoy and you take time to be around people that you enjoy, um, things kind of uh, work out nicely. And well, I'm actually curious when you, I think, yes, it is super important to kind of go with the flow in a sense yeah. and try to relax and be patient yeah. and let things uh, unfold as they should. Um, but then how, how have you found any 
a lot of people who want to go into like private equity, banking, finance, yeah. tend to be people who have trouble relaxing ish. Yeah. So how do you have anything that you specifically did or do, or is it yeah just with time you? No, certainly. So I, I like I I like going on runs uh, for me, and so uh, sometimes when especially I'm very busy, sometimes I find that you know I end up not going on runs, which makes it even harder for me. Uh, and so what I do is if I catch myself in a situation where I haven't let's say exercise and gone on a run in a while, um, I'll just force that as something that before I do any work or before I do anything else, like I need to do this. I need to go on a run, I need to exercise, I need to do something to get outside and move. And building that, I think building that, um, recognizing that doing this thing that I really love will also just free up my mind and help me be more productive and forcing that ahead of doing work, I think has been really helpful. Um, Another one is also like talking to people who are much older, right? And so I think that this, it's really helpful to see uh, a, a way that you can kind of see what your life could look like or mm-hmm. uh, could be in the future is talking to folks who are older in very different paths. And getting that perspective has been also really helpful for me. Um, and so I say those two things. And I still try to do both of the things now. Got it. And then uh, I wanted to kind of end the conversation, I guess, with uh a way for people to kind of understand who you are a little bit more and because i'm i always think people have some core values that shape uh what decisions they make personally and professionally and so i was wondering about like any two three two to three or maybe even one core values that you personally have and maybe how they shaped your your life until this point interesting yeah that's a good one um let's see in terms of core values i would say uh, well, things that are important to me, right, uh, are, are certainly my family. And I think um, being loyal to the people that are around you and, and making sure that you, you, you're you there for others, I think that's been really important for me. Um, and I think that it also comes back, right? So I have a lot of really strong, close-knit friendships and, and family that I really cherish. And I think that that helps, you, helps, make, helps make other decisions easier in life where you say, okay, if I'm going to, it doesn't allow you to overbook things. It makes sure that you investing time in relationships with the people that you care about. Uh, and so it's something that I've tried to do. I've tried to, you know, call uh, both my family and friends who are not physically here in, in Philadelphia with me. Um, so I'd say that. And then the other thing is that, like, I, I get excited very easily <laughs> about a lot, of, a lot of things. And I think that's, uh, I don't know if that's a value or not, but just like trying to have fun with the things and, and seeing school work whatever is as an opportunity to learn and get, get excited, I think for me uh, has helped me a lot, right? Because, you know, as, as uh, Ben mentioned, there are times where it's going to be difficult. There's going to be a lot of work in, in whatever aspect. But if you can kind of look at it as a puzzle and get excited about it and see that there is this really cool bigger picture, then, you know, you're still doing that same amount of work, but at least then you're doing it in a space that's exciting and you, you, you feel excited about it. Uh, and then that also, I think it rubs off on other folks who you're working with. Um, and, and it creates kind of this positive reinforcement loop. And so, um, yeah, I would say one is, I guess, loyalty to, to friendships and family. And the other is, I don't know if it's a core value or not, but just like get excited and try to frame opportunities to, to learn and grow. Um, cause you know, you're going to be doing the same work either way. And this way, you know, you can have fun doing it. With that said, that concludes the interview. Hope you all learned a lot. And if you guys want me to cover any other industries in particular, I have a lot of friends across various different industries in my MBA program. So let me know down in the comments if you're watching this on YouTube. 
Again, as a friendly reminder, if you want to listen to this more on the go or want to check out our other episodes, check out Rare Liquid Careers wherever you get your podcasts on Spotify, Apple Music, and etc. Also wanted to give you guys a friendly reminder, reminder to check out Wall Street Prep if you want to break into private equity and want to check out their private equity certificate program that they're doing with Wharton. With that said, thank you guys all so much for listening and hope to catch you in the next episode. Thanks so much all and peace out. Thank you.